But I wanted to get, just introduce myself a little bit, give you a little picture of, of who I am and my family. Uh, there is my family there. A little snapshot of when we were adopting our uh, new puppy. That's Sid that uh, one of our kids is holding there. And uh, that's my wife, Amanda, standing in the background there. We've been married about 20 years, just a little over that. Uh, and then the one holding the puppy, Sid, uh, that's my eldest son. He's 10, and his name is Levi. And then the younger one there in the sweatshirt, that's Matthias. So a little family of four. Now, pictures are great, right? Uh, they say pictures say a thousand words, right? But sometimes pictures don't show everything. There's some things in this picture that you can't see. You can't see that my sons are adopted, both of them. You can't see that. In fact, sometimes people look at this and like, oh, wow, they look just like you guys. Well, if I showed you a picture of their birth parents, you'd be like, oh, yeah, spitting image of their parents. Um, Levi, in particular, uh, he looks just like his birth dad. Uh, you want to know what his birth dad looks like? That's it right there. Uh, Matthias looks very much like his birth mom. And so, but you wouldn't see that in this picture, right? This, this is a snapshot, a picture on a certain day uh, of our family, and you wouldn't see that in that picture. Uh, so the reason why I'm introducing that and going in this route this way is because sometimes there are words that take a thousand pictures to tell you what they're about, okay? And one of those things or phrases is the kingdom of God. That's a, that's a strange phrase. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's not something that you and I go around saying. In fact, if we did on a regular basis, people might look at us weird or when they see us coming, might cross the other side of the street. You're some kind of religious knight. What does a kingdom of God mean? What does that look like? I don't even know or understand what you're saying. However, the kingdom of God is the is part of the good news, right? It's what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the good news. There's a good news that we are to hear and to be a part of. How is the kingdom of God good news? What does that mean, right? So Jesus in Mark chapter 1, sorry, verse 14, he tells us a little bit about this. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee and he began to preach God's good news, this good news. And what is the good news? Well, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. What's the good news? Oh, the time promised by God has come at last. The kingdom of God is near, right? But there's a lot of stuff packed into that that doesn't even make sense for us. First of all, let's just start with John. Who's John? Why did John get arrested, right? Uh, Kingdom of God. Kingdom of God is some kind of phrase that uh, is obviously put against another type of kingdom. There must be other kingdom if you have to specify kingdom of God. Is there another kingdom that's out there? Right? So let's just back up a little bit because even if you read Mark, this is the first page of Mark, this gospel, this good news that this Mark guy wrote down. If you're reading Mark, when you get to this sentence, you're, you're, you wouldn't know that John was arrested, why would he be arrested? It doesn't give you any details. It's like you had this preloaded knowledge. You had other pictures in your mind before you even read this so that it would make sense. Well, John is a cousin of Jesus. And John, we might know of him or have heard of him as John the Baptist. And what is this Baptist going and doing, right? What is this John the Baptist doing? Why is, that, why is he labeled as John the Baptist? Well, he was calling his own people, the Israelite people, 
into being a new type of people. And he was passing them through this river called the Jordan River at, by baptism. And then they get on the other side of this baptism, they'd be this new people going into this new land, which is so much Old Testament imagery that we've missed. Unless you've just been done reading all of these accounts of the whole Old Testament and then started this, this uh, gospel, you wouldn't know all of that, right? It's, it's all packed in there. These, this, these words need a thousand different pictures to, to help us to understand this. But what, what reason is this guy that's going around baptizing people, why would he be arrested for that? Was he arrested for that? What is going on what, that we start this sentence with later on after John was arrested? What's the big impact there? Well, that's where we start getting a little bit of a clue about another kingdom, right? You've had the kingdom of God, and then you have this other kingdom, maybe this kingdom of human beings or the Roman kingdom or even the Jewish ruling religious kingdom, right? Some kingdom put John under arrest, right? They came and arrested him for something about creating new people, about leading people through this water so that they can come out on the other side to be a, a part of a new group of people. What's the reason for John being arrested? Lots of images that we need to have loaded into our mind to make it more clear. But that's not even the biggest part of this whole thing. Jesus says that the kingdom of God is near. What does that mean? What does it mean that the kingdom of God is near? And for some reason, that's fulfilling something that God had promised long ago. A whole other set of images that we need to load in here. And so as I was thinking about this, and reflecting upon this kingdom of God is near thing, how can I make sense of that in, in my brain? This, this was spoken about in like the first century uh, in, in Israel, not in 21st century America. So I need to do some work and trying to wrap my mind around it. And so to try to picture the kingdom of God is near and where Jesus is going to go with this thing and why this would even be good news, maybe we can try to understand what kingdom of God being near is like? How can we try to visualize that? Because it sounds like there's competing kingdoms, right? Kingdom of human beings, kingdom of God. So here's another image, and we'll put this up here, and I just want you to tell me what's the first thing that you see? What's the first thing that you're, you're picturing there? What is, what can you describe it? You see a woman, okay. Uh, do you see, Anybody else see a woman? Raise your hand if you see a woman. Okay. Now, young or old woman? Old woman. And who saw one young woman? Anybody see young? Okay, some see young, right? Now, how many can see both, the young and the old? Okay. See, now we're getting, now we're getting closer. All of a sudden, oh, yeah, right? The young woman, that's her, she's turning, looking at the lighthouse, right? And she, you see her cheekbone there. Turned away, she's got this hat with a flower in it. She's wearing some kind of mink thing. You see, all right, so the lights are going on. All right, and then the old woman, that cheekbone turns into a big old nose, doesn't it? Right, and the necklace that the young woman's wearing now turns into kind of a frown for lips for the old woman and her big chin. And she's looking more sideways, just down, not away from us, yeah? We're seeing it now. You see both. Now, can you go back and forth between the two? You can see the young, you can see the old. Yeah, this, this image is called the young lady and the old hag, 
Not, not really flattering for uh, the older lady, but, uh, and, and I'm sure there's a big story that you can put in here, but do you see that, that the images are near, right? You, you can see both, and they're near each other. They're like overlapping, and you can see once someone shows you how to see them, you can go in between the two. Young lady, old hag. Young lady, old hag. We can go back and forth. That's the idea that I have with the kingdom of God is near. You can see it, but sometimes you can still see this other kingdom, right? But if you can see it and someone can show you how to see it, you can go back and forth between the kingdoms. Here's the kingdom that we live in. It's this physical kingdom. It's right here now. Oh, but God's kingdom is near. Can you see it? Can I describe it to you? Can someone show us what we should be looking for? And then, oh, I can still see God's kingdom. Human kingdom, this guy doing a good thing for uh, God's kingdom or God's people or however you want to say that. He's not harming anyone, yet he gets arrested. That's not God's kingdom. God doesn't arrest people or have people arrested that are doing his good things. So it's a different kingdom. But how can we see that as good news? Jesus is taking this opportunity amidst this, this time of tragedy to start talking about God's kingdom and how that's good. Here's what you see with the human kingdom. John gets arrested. Ah, but there's good news. It's fulfilling a promise that God had made a long time ago, and his kingdom is near. All we have to do is turn from our own kingdom, turn the way that we look. Can we see it, the different things? And just trust the good news, right? That's what believing really is. Sometimes I feel like the word believing uh, leads us astray a little bit, right? You just have faith or just believe. It feels like, in, in our modern sense, at least to me, um, that it's like, well, I don't really have a whole lot of proof. Um, there isn't really a good foundation. I can't really explain it. I'm just going to believe it. I'm just going to have faith. And that's really not the biblical uh, uh, ideology at all with the word belief or faith. It, it's You believe it because it's has something to believe in. You, it's, you have faith in it because it's shown itself to be faith-worthy. I think the word trust is a lot better, okay? So you can turn and look at the way that to, uh, you can see God's kingdom is near and you start trusting that God's kingdom is here. How come you'd have to trust that God's kingdom is near? Because you're so involved with this kingdom, right? People getting arrested or horrible things happening to one another and taking advantage of one another and uh, shameful things that are happening. You're like, man, where is God in all of this? Oh, but there's good news. The kingdom of God is near. Can you see it? So what is God's kingdom, right? What, what's God's kingdom? What's God's ideal for his kingdom? That, that was our scripture reading earlier. Some of us might be familiar with it, and some of us may not be. After God had started creating all of these things, he creates the sky and then he fills the sky with life, with birds and things like that. Uh, he creates the, the seas and fills them with life, right? Fish and things like that. He creates the land and then fills the land with all types of creatures. And one of my favorite phrases is that is the little things that scurry along the ground, right? Uh, it fills it with all manner of life. And then has this idea to say, hey, let's, let's create something else. But something else is going to be like us. So God says, let us create human beings in our image and in our likeness. 
which we don't have time to get into the who he's talking to, the our, but, or we, or our likeness. But the idea here is that these human beings are going to be like God. They're going to do things like God. They're going to rule and to reign over all the things that God not only created, but then filled with life and do that with God. That's what God's kingdom is all about. That's God's ideal, is that human beings would partner with God, collaborate with each other, and be able to be a part of this life-giving abundance going out to the rest of the world and continuing to invite more and more people into that. That sounds really nice. That sounds like a great kingdom. I'd love for that kingdom to be near. I'd love to be able to see that kingdom because a lot of times I don't see that kingdom. I don't see people partnering with God. I don't see people in my own life. I don't see myself always collaborating with other people. I I have an idea of what this kingdom, this life should be like. And everything would go so much smoother as if everybody saw it the way I did, right? If I could be king, if I could tell you how the right way to live is, then everyone, we're all going in the same direction. But we also know that we can collaborate with other people and agree upon a certain way to live life, and that can also be destructive, right? Groups that form that actually cause harm to other people. That, that's not a partnering with God piece, is it? It's just, hey, we have this same idea that we want to go in this direction. Parenting for me. Uh, my wife and I have different parenting styles. We would argue a whole lot less if she just did it the way that I did it. But if I collaborate with her and I'm learning from God, how can I actually help these children be fruitful and to multiply? How can I include them into this kingdom of God and allow them to rule and reign with us? It changes the whole perspective what I focus on about showing compassion and how we can think about each other, not just myself and my own things that I think are right and how we can be generous to one another. How about saying thank you once in a while and being appreciative? And So that's part of God's kingdom, isn't it? Thankfulness and generosity and abundance and thinking of others as well as thinking about yourself, right? You're, you're in it together type of idea. And then you still wrestle with this other kingdom, don't we? Right? About how I think that that should be done. Who we should give money to. How much compassion should I share with this person? Well, if they've harmed me in a certain way, probably not. Right? And that's where Jesus really helps us to start identifying what the kingdom of God really looks like. His whole life is about living in God's kingdom and showing people what it looks to partner with God and rule with Him and be His image and His likeness to be God here with us and invite other people into being a part of that. It cost Him His life. And, and, and we know that Jesus asked for any other way to fulfilling God's purposes and plan. If He could do it, if God could do it any other way, Take it from him, because let's do it that way. And God said, nope, this is the way. And so he gave his life to fulfill that whole mission. And before he did that, though, he taught. He taught us about how do we live in this kingdom, even though it's not fully here, but it's near. 
How can we move from this kingdom where we like to have our own way to a kingdom where we're partnering with God and collaborating with other people? And it may cost us something. Cost us maybe some of the ways that we think we should do things. Cost us our own finances for other people. Cost us our own time, maybe. Cost us the, the, the changing the way that we would live as we approach other people, right? And Jesus used an example about what we worry about in our own kingdoms. Our own kingdoms, we have a lot of things that we worry about. Sure, about what we're going to eat and what we're going to drink, and maybe that translates into, well, how much money am I going to be able to make to pay these bills? How much money should I give to someone? Uh, what things should my kids be involved in? How much am I paying for a car? Now, that's a lot of money-oriented thing, but let's also think about uh, other things that we might worry about, things that have happened to us. How are people going to view me? How they might make judgments about me. You know, if they knew something deeper inside of what's going on, they wouldn't like me. What are we worried about in our own little kingdoms and, and competing kingdoms with one another? And Jesus gave this whole illustration about how we don't need to worry because in God's kingdom, he provides everything. He's, he's created the sky and filled it. He's created the land and filled it. He's created the seas and filled them. So why are you so worried about all these little things, but he ends that message, that teaching, in Matthew six thirty three. He just says, "Seek the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously, and He, God, will give you all that you need." Where do you start your living? Identifying what that kingdom is like, and working to start living into that kingdom, even in the midst of this human kingdom that you have to participate in. You start seeing, identifying what it looks like to trust God, that he knows what's best for you. He's, he's got your best interest in mind. It's okay that you can give up something or sacrifice something because God is looking out for what's best for you. In that type of kingdom, that kingdom that has come near, if you seek that, and you live in a right way, right relationship with God and with others, righteously, that's what that means. God gives you everything that you need. You have more than enough, enough to share with others. So instead of having a kingdom of maybe scarcity, there's not enough to go around, I got to make sure I get what I need, you live in a kingdom of abundance. Like, I know there will be more. God will take care of me. We can give away, whatever that might look like. Instead of living in a, a kingdom of shame and judgment, you can live in a kingdom of forgiveness and goodwill towards other people. Instead of living in a kingdom that always is looking to divide people, you, look, you live in a kingdom that is looking to unite people, that we're all rulers in this new kingdom of God. Now, Jesus shows us how to see between the two kingdoms. And once we can see between two kingdoms, just like that image I showed you earlier, now you could go and you could actually seek it, right? Once, once I showed you how to see the two images, you had to actively seek it to see and go in between the two, right? That's the same thing Jesus does for us. He shows us how to live it. He shows us what are good things about his kingdom, and then we are to actively seek it. 
so that we can live in the right way before God and before others. And then we have all that we need. That's the kingdom that all human beings are invited into. And as if you would humor me, as I think about this, sometimes um, seeing the kingdom and seeking the kingdom, it's hard. It's hard to know where to begin. And so Jesus actually gives his disciples a way to begin that. It's a simple little prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer, but I think it should be called the Disciples' Prayer because it's the disciples that are supposed to be praying it. And um, I taught it to our boys in a way that um, made it more simple for them to remember it. I learned it, you know, in the great King James Version, our Father in Heaven, art in Heaven, like all of that, like it didn't make sense to me. So how can I put it in language for them? And if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to invite you to be a part of the kingdom right here and right now um, by praying this prayer. And I'll just pray the prayer. It's my own redemption, so it might trip you up. Um, but if you just humor me and we'll pray this and see the kingdom language and how focused it is on your relationship with God and relationship with others. And it's starting to show you how to start recognizing the kingdom so you can start seeking after that above anything else and everything else. Pray. Heavenly Father, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need. And forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Help us not to give in to temptation and rescue us from the evil one. Amen.